Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. This is Zach speaking, and I'm sitting here with Randy Spate. What's up, Randy? Hey, Zach. I'm sitting here in my lumberjack shirt because we're going to be talking about trees. We're both dressed like lumberjacks today. We are. I'm a lumberjack, and I'm okay. (laughs) Is that what originally triggered this idea today when I asked you what we were going to be talking about? Boy, maybe subconsciously it was. (laughs) All right. So trees, um, the reason we're going to talk about trees is because I have not shut up about trees since I heard the Bible Project talk about trees some number of months ago. And so while I am completely aware that they have already done like nine tree uh, podcasts. You said like 10 hours Yeah, yeah it was like 10 <laughs> hours of trees. We're going to condense this bad boy down to about 30, 40 minutes and hopefully add a few of our own opinions as well. Um, yeah. So I guess the place to start is like, why trees? Zach, you lead us into this because I know nothing about this. And I am looking forward to learning something. So trees... In the ancient Near East would have been very holy places. They would have been considered sacred because you're in a desert. You are in the middle of a dry, barren wasteland. And when you see a tree, you're like, oh, that's life. There's water there. There's nutrients there. That's that. Maybe it has fruit. Maybe there's food for me there. I mean, they would probably draw in animals because animals would also know. So then you could find food that way um and and it's common within the ancient near east for them to capitalize on that idea and use that as a symbol to use trees as a symbol not just in christian imagery uh, imagery but in egyptian babylonian many of the the religions of the ancient near east well and and canaanite too uh israel lived in the middle of palestine the canaanites surrounded them and the two primary gods of the Canaanites were Baal, who was the the storm god. They pictured him standing and, and throwing lightning bolts all over the place. And the goddess was Asherah, who typically would be represented by a denuded tree. They'd take a tree, strip it down of all of its branches, turn it into a phallic symbol. Right, right. And that actually comes up later, too. Um that, that kind of ties into like the, the the whole narrative of where where man takes trees. Um, 
another important thing to kind of take into consideration is the Egyptians had the uh, goddess Newt, and she was the sky goddess, and they would depict her as sitting in a tree and giving out life to those that would come to the tree and ask for it. She would give them their fruit or their, their water. She would take care of the people from this tree. And so that's a common symbol. We, we see the symbol of gods being seated in trees. There's something holy, very, some, something very sacred about these trees. And so the writer, uh, the, the author of Genesis, or I mean even the, the whole of Scripture, is very aware of this common theme of trees in religious imagery of the Near East. And so the Bible's just full of it. It's full of this idea of trees. Um, so where we start is we start in the garden. God plants a garden and he puts man in the garden and says, hey, take care of this awesome garden. It's full of all of these wonderful trees. And it's amazing that of, of everything that God could have done, how he could have created man at the beginning of all things, he makes a garden. He, ma- he makes a place where trees grow. Right. And then he starts talking about trees almost right away. Eat from the fruit of any of these trees. It's like he doesn't even mention tomato plants or or uh, jalapenos or anything like that. It's it's tree-based. Right. And, and I think part of that, something I was really intrigued to hear uh, Tim Mackey talking about on the Bible Project was the idea that trees kind of reflect the nature of God in a way. Trees have this ability to create from within themselves. They don't lose anything of themselves. They're full of life. They're very old, so they can live for hundreds of years. You know, it, it's almost an image of God in almost a way. Almost eternal. Right. And you so, get you get fruit uh you, you get food from the fruit. Some trees give you food from their actual sap. Uh, uh maple trees uh the sap that nourishes the tree can nourish us as well. Right. And in a similar fashion, men are like trees. Um, people are like trees that man can reproduce from himself, which is a reflection of God's character of creation. And, I mean, then you can get into the whole, you know, talk of seed. I mean, uh, getting into all of that. Um, but... What we see, though, is that God says, I'm going to plant these two trees in the middle of the garden. One is the tree of life. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells man, you can eat from any tree you want. You just can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the most important thing about that to me is that he doesn't say they can't eat from the tree of life. Like they are very clearly able to eat from the tree of life. Like, why wouldn't you just be eating from the tree of life? You know? um, but the one tree they want, the one tree they long for is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they choose to eat from that tree. And that's where the fall happens. We talked about that in the last podcast. That's interesting. That's interesting. And I was, uh, you know, talking and kind of focusing on trees. It caught my eye, too, that after Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They go and they hide themselves, but I I guess I had never really paid much attention to it before. They hid themselves among the trees. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah, and then um, 
No, sorry. So I'm spitballing here. You got to tell me if I'm wrong. Does God make them clothes from plants, or does He sacrifice? They his make animal? clothes from plants. They they make clothes from a fig tree. They take fig leaves That's what and sew it together. And uh, I always wondered about that because I've seen a fig tree, and those leaves are not very big. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I, yeah, I would have gone with a banana tree or something, yeah. you know, where you get these massive <laughs> leaves you can cover up with just two of them. Um, but God makes them clothes from an animal sacrifice. He kills an animal and skins it, and that's what becomes their clothing. Okay. So that that almost seems like a, a picture of man, like, attempting to – that's like man's first attempt at trying to do things on his own and failing. <laughs> There's plenty of that in Scripture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so as we get out of the garden, they, they've been removed from the garden, so they can't eat from the tree of life anymore because if they eat from the tree of life, they'll live forever. And so through God's grace and God's mercy, he says, I'm not going to let man live forever in sin. I'm going to separate man. I'm going to cut him off from this tree of life, right? And so he casts them out of the garden. And so – then we get several chapters through Genesis talking about the the Nephilim and, and um, then we get to the flood, right? And the flood comes about and what does God tell Noah that he has to do? Well, he has to uh, cut down a bunch of trees because he is going to make an ark and the ark is to be, is it uh shittim wood i think is Go, what it's gopher called wood. gopher wood gopher wood but the funny thing is that the word for wood in hebrew is the same word for tree in hebrew <laughs> that's interesting it's eights and so trees branches wood uh bushes <laughs> they're all eights they're all trees they're all trees and so when, when he builds the ark, he doesn't build it out of wood. He builds the ark out of trees. That's interesting because one of the uh, – when, when people want to try to poke holes in uh, New Testament, one of the arguments I've heard is Jesus says uh, the mustard seed in the New Testament. It's the um, – it's, it's uh it becomes a great tree and, and people – well, it's not a tree. It's a bush. Right. Same word in Greek. It's the same word in, or in Hebrew. In <laughs> or in Hebrew, Hebrew. Yes. but I think it is in Greek as is well. It too? I think so. That's interesting. That, but I mean, that makes absolute sense. I mean, yeah. Jesus could be doing that to speak to the Hebrew poetry of it as well. Um, well, and he didn't speak in Greek either. He spoke in Aramaic, which is related to the Hebrew. So right. for him, he would have been saying bush, tree. It's all the it's same. All the same thing, right? Um, and so we get this ark. And God cradles humanity through this small group of people through this tree. In a tree. In a tree. <laughs> he, he sustains them by this tree. Um, so you have the tree, in essence, giving life because God is behind it. God is ordaining this and, and moving it forward. Exactly. And as soon as it lands, what we see happen is um, Moses goes and he builds an altar to God to make a sacrifice. And my uh, I, my favorite thing I heard them them say through the Bible project was, well, did did they dis, did they like deconstruct the ark? Did he build this altar huh. out of the wood from the ark? Which I mean that makes absolute it makes sense. Makes perfect sense. 
Um, and, and it actually makes more sense when you take into consideration that if that's the case, if, if they're building this altar out of wood to go burn a sacrifice to God out of love and out of respect for God, that kind of mirrors the way you were talking about the Asherah poles where they would make these places of pagan worship, these places of ungodly worship. It's like we see this mirrored idea of man trying to use these trees to make their own trees to to make their sacrifices, to make their uh, worship at so that they'll be... Man taking God's perfect gift and turning it into a perversion. Right. It's, it's a warped image of true worship for God. Um, and so, yeah, so the ark, I, I would say, would be probably the second um, big, big tree uh, kind of concept we see. Um, but then we move on to Abraham. And I think this one's really cool. I don't know why this one always sticks out to me. But uh, where was that verse? I think I had it pulled up. It's uh, Genesis 18. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And that's when God appears and Abraham sees the three men. And then he stands up and uh, he, he starts worshiping. He knows this is God, you know. And... I don't know. This is just the part where I think it becomes really apparent to me that, okay, clearly there's something going on with the trees. <laughs> like, yeah. why why is that so important to say that God appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre? I, I don't know. That just that, – that sticks out. That's fascinating. Um, through that story um, with Abraham, we, we know that he wants to have a child. They can't bear a child. but. But Abraham knows that God is going to produce this great nation through his loins. And so eventually he has his son, Isaac, and he has to take him because God tells him, you're going to sacrifice Isaac to me. And so Abraham puts the wood on Isaac's back and makes him carry it up this hill (laughs) to where he's going to sacrifice him. And when they get up there, just as he's going to sacrifice Isaac, he's told, no, don't do it. So he, he holds back. But there's still to be a sacrifice made. He's still there to worship God. So what happens is they look in a bush nearby. And was it a lamb or a goat? I can't remember. It's a ram. It's a ram. There we go. Um, and the ram is stuck there in the bristles of the bush provided by God as a sacrifice. So the ram is in the tree. They brought the tree with them in the wood. Um, you know, intertestamental literature make a big, made a big deal of uh, Isaac, who was apparently old enough to carry that much wood, which would have been a sizable amount of wood, all the way up the mountain. So he's not a he's not a child. He's he's a teen, and could have easily overpowered Abraham. Which he did not. So there is some extent in which Isaac is a willing participant in this sacrifice. They called that the Akedah. Akedah Isaac, the binding of Isaac. Isaac allowed himself to be bound to be sacrificed. And in the New Testament, you get some of that terminology, some of that vocabulary used when Christ died on a tree. Uh, He 
could have walked away. The old, the old uh, Christian hymn, he could have called 10,000 angels. But he didn't. He chose to die alone for you and me. Um, you get that same terminology there as the Akeda Isaac. So uh, this, is, this is gorgeous. The, he, he even says, that what I, I choose to lay down my life. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll pick it back up again. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we see this with Abraham, and we move on uh, down the road. This is this is a little ways later, uh, and I look. We're not hitting every single tree. There are so many trees. Oh, we jumped about. over a few even in the middle there. I was just kind of thumbing through the book of Genesis, and uh, there, there, there's the tree. That Hagar laid Ishmael under to yeah. die. Yeah, yeah. And God appears. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's because God takes care of him while he's in the bush, right? Yeah. That's right. Um, so we move on from Abraham and we get to Moses. Moses is born and Pharaoh is sending out the order that all – the the uh, is it the firstborn sons or is all, it all firstborn sons? Son. Oh no no all male children all male all children. male children all male children are to be drowned in in the Nile essentially and so what happens is Moses's mom makes this little basket out of sticks out of out of a bush out of a, out of a papyrus a papyrus yeah, reeds yeah. reeds okay and so you see this little little tree basket <laughs> floating down the Nile and it's carrying Moses. And to me, this really reflects the ark that we see that the God saved humanity through an, a tree floating down through this flood. And now he's going to lead humanity with this man, Moses. But you, you get a baby sized ark. It's a baby. That God ark. saves Moses in. Right. Um, and so, you know, we know the story of Moses. He's accepted into the uh, the Egyptian household under Pharaoh, and uh, and he's raised there. He eventually kills a man, a slave driver, an Egyptian man, and uh, and he flees. He flees because he's a murderer, and so he's out in the wilderness. He's living as a uh, as a shepherd, right under uh, Jethro and his wife Zipporah. And uh, well, Moses's wife Zipporah, and one day he comes across a burning bush, <laughs> and this is how God chooses to speak to Moses is through this burning bush, and God says, "You're going to go get my people out of Israel, and you're going to bring them back here so they can worship me." And so that part really sticks out to me that you're going to bring them back here, because that makes me think. That when Moses brings them back into the wilderness, he's bringing them back to the original site at which he met God originally. Um, and that's uh, the, the bush apparently was not burning. What scripture says is that it looked like it was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses apparently had seen bushes burn before, didn't hold that much. Uh, uh, interest for him but this one piqued his curiosity because it didn't burn up it just kept burning so he said i better go look and see what this is and lo and behold it is the pillar of fire standing by a tree right (laughs) 
This is the presence of God in a tree. Um, and so he goes, he does what God tells him to do, brings them back into the wilderness. And the last part, uh, the last tree that I think is really noticeable in the story of Moses is when the people are thirsty and they're standing by this source of water, but the water's bitter. It's, it's, it's poison, essentially. They can't drink it. And so there's this really odd part about Moses taking uh, – different translations say different things. What's your say there? Um, I, I don't have that passage, which, which – uh, Sometimes it's a log. Uh, or a bush. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, a stick. Or a branch. But the idea here is it's eights. It's a tree. It's eights. It's a tree. He's taking the eights. He's taking the tree, and he's putting it in the water, and then the water magically becomes drinkable. And so then the people can drink the water. Um, and so, yeah, like earlier you were talking about that Asherah poles. We see these these poles made into these phallic symbols in which people would go up on – they were on hilltops, right? The high yes. places. Yes. And they would go up and they would have these sex-based rituals uh, at the Asherah poles. Was it for fertility? Is that the idea? Yeah, I think so. That was one of the one of the goddesses that they worshipped was that Asherah was the fertility goddess. Gotcha. And so, yeah, you, you get this really – yeah, it's a perversion uh, of what God has intended. They're taking God's good creation and they're twisting it into an idol at which they can worship in their own way. It's reckoning back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> it sure is. It, it it just makes perfect sense because whenever we see Satan, what Satan does is he imitates. He he takes something God has already done and he perverts it. He imitates it, tries to do something like it, but inevitably it ends up being a perversion of what God has done. Oh, and it still works today. Uh, I was just telling Randy earlier, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast the other day. Not that I recommend that everybody do that. <laughs> but I find some interesting stuff in there from time to time. And he had a man on named Graham, uh, Graham Hancock, and he said, the, the thing we notice with the serpent is, is that the serpent tells Eve that God's lying to them. And that's where he left it. That's he. <laughs> so, so clearly there's still a, a remnant of people in this world that think the serpent really did open some eyes that day. Um, but what we see from the, the, the Asherah poles uh, is then it moves on to David and his line with Solomon. And now we have the temple coming in. To okay, side. you jumped over something here that I want to I want to pick up a little bit. You brought this up to me in uh, one of the other podcasts or in, in one of our conversations. A lot of the uh, temple furniture is actually based on trees. The oh, yeah. lampstand, the lampstand, it says, uh, make them like almond branches, three cups shaped like almond flowers with bloods and boss buds and blossoms are to be on the next branch. So the lampstand has branches and blossoms and buds. Yeah, I, I think, I think that uh, God is trying to constantly. I, I mean, I'm taking some real liberty with this statement, but I think that God is trying to remind his people of what the garden was like. I think that every time you see this mm. tree, there's life attached to it. Yeah. That, that God is, is life and God is somehow – he's kind of attaching this idea of a tree to himself. 
Um, one of my favorite, probably my favorite thing that I that I heard when uh, Tim Mackey talked about trees was that trees are almost like God's theme song. Like listening to to Star Wars, you hear that certain horn section come in, and you know that the Jedi <laughs> are coming. You know, you know something big is about to happen. That the good guys are going to fix things. And when we hear the word tree, when we see this tree imagery in the Bible, our mind should sort of automatically go to this concept of like, what it, what is God about to do here? God's making moves. We need to pay attention and see what's about to happen. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's kind of interesting in all of this. Uh, uh, the lampstands. Uh, uh, what 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 you were just talking about? There's the use of olive oil. Even I was uh, just taking a look. If I remember right, uh, in uh, early America, they used a lot of natural oils. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they would render um, pig fat and turn that into soap. Sometimes even into oils and. Uh, of course, kerosene is basically a, a, a byproduct of crude oil. But in Israel, they used oil from a tree. They used olive oil in the lampstands. Huh. Well, I mean, we, olive oil, olives, you know, the, sure. the branch. Yeah. I mean, the, Jesus is the true vine. Those who are connected to him, he'll give them life. He'll give them the power to do what he needs them to do, which is be fruitful, because apart from him, they can do nothing. Uh, he he is referring to himself as the vine. I am the vine. Um, we see Jesus in the garden when he's praying to the Father, asking him, uh, you know, to take this cup for me that I don't have to do this, you know, but let your will be done. He's in uh, an olive vineyard, and he's near an olive press. <laughs> Where, where olives are crushed into oil. Um, and so, yeah, there's this real symbol of Jesus being related to a tree as well. Um, we, we see the idea of us, that we should be trees. We should be trees planted by flowing streams because a tree planted by, planted by a stream is always nurtured. It's always given everything that it needs. I, I was just thinking about that. Um, Psalm 1-3 uh, blessed is the man. Uh, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. A tree. And so not only is Jesus the vine, but he's the stream. He, he's the vine that nourishes, hmm. us, uh, nourishes us. And when we are, when we are a tree, he is the, the river that nourishes us, uh, the the stream that nourishes us. Um, and so the next big point, uh, in, well, I'm, I don't know the next big one. There's so many. But one of the ones that sticks out to me is the temple. The temple is built, and it's made out of wood. Yeah, cedar. Cedar from uh, Lebanon. Yeah, it, it's like why, why make that that specific statement about what it's to be made of? Because wood is something it's important it's to be set aside um and then eventually eventually and this this is the big one this is kind of where everything ties together in my opinion um it probably should be your opinion too but we see jesus christ 
comes and lives his life among man. And oh, to point this out, he's he's a carpenter. <laughs> you know, like, of all the things you could do, what do you do? Oh, I build things with with wood. You know, <laughs> like, um, but Jesus comes and he is given a stack of wood to carry on his back to the top of a hill. <laughs> Just like Isaac. Just like Isaac. In fact, that hill, according to Second Chronicles, uh, Genesis 22 says it was Mount Moriah. Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, Chronicles says, uh, mentions Moriah, which is Jerusalem. Really? <laughs> yes. Really? This was very possibly the very same mountain that Abraham crawled up with Isaac carrying wood to be a sacrifice. Now Jesus carries wood so that he can be sacrificed on exactly the same spot. Right. Now I now I have I've heard that, but I've also heard um that uh, what was the place of the skull? What was it called? Golgotha uh, or yeah, Calvar- Golgotha. Calvary. Yeah. Cal- Calvary. <laughs> gotcha. Um Golgotha that it would have been a it could have been i don't you know once again this is just speculation but a dump site for um the rocks pulled up in a mining process so they think it could have been a man-made hill which i think also has its poetic imagery to it that if this is a man-made hill that you had uh abraham taking his son up to the top of this beautiful hill that God has provided in order to provide a sacrifice to God. But then God says, no, you don't have to. Because years later, he had the plan of, no, I'm going to sacrifice my own son son. at the top of this hill made by man at the hands of man. So I don't know. uh, Both of those are incredibly poetic. I'm not sure which would be the truth, but it is interesting to think about. And so Jesus goes up to the top of this hill with with his, the the wood on his back. They nail him to this cross, and here we see this idea of the God of the universe coming down in flesh, nailed to this tree. And so it's sort of this image, this this common near uh, ancient Near Eastern image of a God sitting in a tree, handing out life to all that would come to him and so it's sort of that newt image but it's jesus jesus is the completion of this image and if you can't see this this string from the tree of life which i think at this point we can clearly see wait maybe this tree of life was more than just a tree maybe this tree of life is a symbol for god himself because God is where life comes from, and now that same God is nailed to a tree on top of a mountain, giving out his life to all who would come to him. That's amazing. You know, uh, we were looking at this just before we started. Do you have that uh, verse in Acts, Acts chapter 3, I think it is? 530? Acts 530, just like I was saying. <laughs> um, where where uh, Peter is talking about uh, the crucifixion, and he says, um, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. It doesn't say cross. You hung him 
on a tree. Then we went on to ten acts. I didn't write down any more than just the five thirty. Okay, uh, three times in the book of Acts, uh, Jesus is said to have been nailed to a tree, and very specifically, it does not say to a cross, but to a tree. It is ten thirty nine. And then one more time in the book of Acts, you nailed him to a... To, in fact, the word cross doesn't even appear in the book of Acts. It's a tree yeah. that he was nailed to. That's where he gave life to everybody by defeating death. And we have to take into consideration that... I mean, I don't even think we just need to consider it. I think we need to understand that the writers of the Bible understood this image. They understood that he was not nailed to just two crossing pieces of wood. This is a tree, and there's a reason they keep calling it a tree, because this is the completion of the Garden of Eden. This is God coming back to give life to man. This is a moment where the tree of life is being re-offered to man because he was once cut off from it when he was removed from the garden. But now through Jesus's sacrifice, we have access to the tree of life again. So the cross, no matter what kind of a tree it came from, becomes the tree of life when Jesus hangs from it. I think it's more that Jesus is the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. Beautiful. And and so I think uh, what we need to understand is when we are going through our daily life, and I've said this a million times, but I think it's so true, is we are constantly faced with that same original sin. We're constantly faced with, I'm standing before two trees. One is a tree in which I eat this low-hanging fruit. It's easy. It's, it's accessible. It feels good. This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat from it, you choose your own way. You choose your own understanding. You go with what your gut's telling you. But when you turn from that tree and you look to the tree of life, you don't just see this tree of life, you see Jesus cross, or Jesus Christ crucified, nailed to a cross, that when you choose the tree of life, you are following Jesus Christ. You're clinging to Jesus Christ for all of your understanding, for all of your knowledge, and for all of your life. And so that's the constant choice that we have to make. Do I follow my way, or do I follow Jesus? Well, and then the tree of life comes back in the book of Revelation. It does. At, at, at the end of all things. It does. And before we do that, I want to say one more thing, Mm -hmm. is when Jesus is resurrected, when he comes back, what is the first thing we see from Jesus? Well, the first person that Jesus appears to is uh, one of the Marys. We're not exactly sure which one. And uh, she looks up and she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's a gardener. She She thinks he's a gardener. And so the first thing Jesus is doing when he comes back is he is doing the creation mandate that, that he's you, gardening yeah you need to go out and you need to to make this make this garden go to every corner of the earth spread god's goodness to every corner of the earth and, and represent god wherever you go so mary thought he was a gardener not because he had a gardener's uniform they didn't wear uniforms she thought he was the gardener because he was gardening. And and that and that is the first thing that the God of the universe did when he defeated death 
was he started digging in the dirt and planting some seeds. Garden <laughs> of Eden. Garden of Eden. <laughs> He's planting the new Garden of Eden. And so now we see that the seeds of that new creation have been planted. And so Jesus is going to come back one day. And he's going to solidify that. He is going to complete his new creation. And when there is a new heaven and there is a new earth, there's going to be a river of life flowing through the center of a giant tree of life. So we saw two places where that happens. One of them, the obvious, is in Revelation chapter 21, I think it is. Sounds right. Yeah. Where there is a tree of life and a river. But amazingly, the tree of life grows on both sides of the river. Right, right. And so this river runs through. Now, if you take into consideration earlier, we were talking about a man planted by a stream. A tree planted by a stream is nourished, and so a man should be like that. Well, Jesus is clearly the stream there, and he's giving that life to the tree. So we see Jesus represented as water. We know that he is the water of life. And now we can see that Jesus is the tree of life. And so everything about this new creation points to Jesus. Jesus is this new creation, that this river of life is Christ, and it runs through the tree of life, and that is Christ. And we are sustained by that water and by that fruit and by that tree. One of the things that uh, that, that happens in the Old Testament is uh, Paul makes a big deal of this. Anyone who tra- hangs from the tree is cursed. Right. In Revelation, it's it's chapter 22, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and no longer will there be a curse. Right. No, no longer is anyone cursed that hangs so, from a tree. Yeah, yeah. The tree is now the life giver, not the curse bearer. Right, right. That's... And- gorgeous. That's amazing. And not that it really uh, adds anything to this, but I do find it odd that that's, that's how uh, Judas died, hanging from a tree. Hanging from a tree. Cursed. And it's very specifically hung yes. from a tree. Yeah. I just always thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and so, so yeah, in total here, what all this is pointing to, like the best suggestion I've heard uh, – from Tim Mackey was if you're ever looking through your Bible, like you should, if, if you have a Bible that is not your main Bible, get out a highlighter and highlight every time you see a tree, a seed, a branch, or a bush. Just highlight it. And it's everywhere. The Bible is full of this imagery. And I think it's something we've lost in our culture. It's, it's not something we grew up with. Yeah, yeah, we get food from the grocery store, not from the tree. <laughs> right, but but to somebody in the in the ancient Near East, this was this was a huge concept, just kind of like the the bread of life or uh, the the water of life. You know that Jesus relates himself to the basic needs of a person. You need to eat. You need to drink. I'm that. I will sustain you. Well, a tree was a symbol for that. And I think that that's what's really happening here. We're, we're, we're supposed to draw this connection between a tree, between uh, being sustained, and between Christ being that sustainer of life. Randy, you got anything else? 
Just looking here, I, I have a red-letter Bible here, at least the one that I have in front of me right now. So Jesus' words stand out. I'm looking at Revelation 22, the very, very end of uh, the last things that Jesus says. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. Right. I mean, is that not Jesus? I mean, I never thought that as a kid. Like, when I read the Bible when I was younger, I took it all so literally. And I don't think this is one of those parts that we are supposed to take literally. We want to read Genesis from a literal standpoint. But it was written to a group of people that knew a different way of life than we do. And it would have read differently to them than it does to us today. And so I think it's very important that we try and get in their headspace and understand where those people are coming from because the Bible wasn't written to us. It was written for us. It was written to people in the ancient Near East. And so we need to understand who they are in order to understand what God is trying to tell us. I think that's great. Cool. Amazing. Yeah, I had never seen that before. All right, man. Well, uh, anybody listening to this, thank you so much for listening. We uh, hope that uh, this podcast blesses you in some way, that maybe you learned something from us, and uh, we hope that you will leave comments however you can on whatever app you're listening to this on. Uh, We hope that you would um, leave us a review and uh, a rating and maybe write in and tell us what you'd like to hear about even. And, you know, more importantly, even than than leaving a review for us, as important as that is, (laughs) if you're listening, um, you're standing in the Garden of Eden faced with the choice between the tree of the knowledge of evil and the tree of life. Please, take the tree of life. (laughs) Absolutely. He's readily available to you. His name is Jesus. Um, we really recommend that you try and find a church in your area if you're not already plugged in with a local church. And uh, if you are in our area, hit us up here at New Hope. We'd love to have you. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and you guys stay salty. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.